I want you to do me a favor this morning. I want you to take your Bibles, turn to the book of John. John chapter 19 is where we're going to look at this morning. I love this passage because of how John captures the passage. You know, John the writer was John the the, the one who Jesus, he said, I was the one that Jesus loved the most. He captured a part of the story that I thought was interesting for him to capture because we know that on those final hours on the cross, Jesus made some statements, right? He made seven statements. In fact, the first three weren't about him. The first week he talked about forgiveness. Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. And they really didn't know what they were doing. They really didn't understand it. The Jews nor the Romans understood it, and it was forgiveness that was not only extended to them, but is also extended to us. But the second statement that he made was to the thief. Remember, we said there was one thief on his left and one thief on his right. The one thief said, well, if you're really the Messiah, why don't you save yourself and you get down off the cross and save us too? And the other one said, man, do you not know Do you not get it? This guy's done nothing wrong. And remember he looked at Jesus and he said, today would you remember me in paradise? And you remember Jesus going to this this thief and he said, today you will be with me in paradise. And literally that young man was going to walk the same streets of gold that our Messiah walked because of grace. Last week we found the period where everything uh, turned And right before it did, you remember he looked at John and said, John, I want to make sure that my my mother's taken care of. And he said, mother, look at your son, and son, look at your mother. And then darkness fell. And darkness encaptured the land. It's crazy. We find him in the middle of that pitch darkness, hollering out the words, my God, my God, Why have you forsaken me? And we talked about what that meant last week, right? That God on his son saw sin and he had to look away. And Jesus felt that spiritual distance that was created in that moment as he took on your sin and he took on my sin on the cross that day. But Jesus also had some more words to utter. John chapter 19. Hopefully you got your Bible out at home. Parents, if you got a Bible and your kids have a Bible, that'd be great to turn to it. We can all read it together. If you've got the app out, North Star Church, Georgia, you can find it in the app store. You got all the notes there. And I know you've got the notes area online. It'll be a great place to take notes this morning. Listen to what John captured. And we're going to walk through this for a second because there's so much in it. John 19, verse 28, and Jesus, this is a powerful statement. Jesus knew his mission was finished. What mission? Well, we could say the mission that began in the garden and all of our minds go back to the garden of Gethsemane after he had talked to his disciples about breaking his body and shedding his blood. And you remember that he went and he cried out, Father, if this had, if it could be your will, would you let this cup pass from me? But that really wasn't the garden I was talking about. The garden I was talking about happened a long time before. It was the Garden of Eden, right? Where Adam and Eve 
God's creation let something into the world that wasn't part of God's plan and the word was sin. Remember, Eve was deceived and she took a bite and her husband and, and the whole thing, the whole thing got jacked up at that point. And from that moment that sin entered the world, there had to be redemption. The problem was people like Adam and Eve and you and me weren't able to redeem themselves. And so a mission was prescribed. And that mission that began, we read it all throughout the Old Testament, that mission was that God was going to have to send his son to redeem that which was lost. Now listen to the power of the moment. And Jesus knew. He knew here and he knew here that his mission was done. That what he had come to do to take on our sin was entering its final moments. And Jesus knowing that his mission was finished. Listen to what he said. He cried out with these words, I am thirsty. Would you circle that word thirsty? Interesting word because it has so many meanings. There's a physical piece of it we'll talk about here in a moment. There's a spiritual piece that we'll talk about at the end. You know, you think about John and how tight he and Jesus were. John remembered Jesus looking at a woman out by a well one day when she was getting water. And he said, if you drink of me, you will never thirst again because I give you living water. And this one that uttered those words now is from parched lips, from hanging on that cross for six hours, gasping for air because your, your feet are nailed, your hands are nailed. And what they would have to do is they would have to lift up on that nail and you would gasp. That's why it would asphyxiate you on the cross. And so you know his lips are parched. You know, John, as he wrote those words that he said, I am thirsty, never dreamed he would utter those words. There's power in those words. There was a reason that he uttered them. Look at what John captured. A jar of sour wine was sitting there. So they soaked a sponge in it, put it on a hyssop branch, and held it up to his lips. See, John noted this was all to fulfill Scripture. He had to say that to fulfill what had been said before and it was interesting that these Roman soldiers who knew not of anything that had ever been written had an actual jar that was sitting there mixed with vinegar and wine. It was mixed together. They may have drunk it. Many scholars think that they would, the legionnaire guys would, would drink that. They would also have it in compassion for the people that were up on the cross that day. But it was interesting what they put it on. They put it on a hyssop branch. A hyssop branch was a very common branch of the day that was only three to four feet long. So it wasn't super long. So if your image is Jesus is 12 feet off the ground, then this sort of ruins it because the hyssop branch was three to four feet and they would extend it up to wherever he was and he would be able to moisten basically his lips. He couldn't grab anything with his hands. But the hyssop branch, every Jew knew about a hyssop branch. 
Because if you go back to the Passover, which was going to start that night from the Passover during the time of Moses, every Jew would take a hyssop branch and they would take the blood of a spotless lamb and they would put it above their doorpost to remind themselves of the night the death angel passed over. And this hyssop branch was now signifying there was a new lamb whose blood was being shed. So the death angel wouldn't pass over once, but the death angel would pass over forever. It's a powerful, packed moment. But when Jesus said, I am thirsty, what does it mean to you and me? Why do those words, why do we need them deep down in our soul? I want you to look at point number one. Theologically, I learned Jesus was fully human, right? So theologically, I get this picture. He was both 100% man, but he was also 100% God. He wasn't 50-50. He wasn't a hybrid. He wasn't a ghost. He wasn't a creature that was created that didn't feel it. Listen, he felt pain. He knew thirst. He felt betrayal. He felt the wounds. He felt all of them. Well, he was 100% human. But the crazy part was he was 100% God too. He was deity wrapped up in humanity. He didn't, he didn't give up his godness. He just gave up the privileges of it. I want you to write down that word privileges. That's what it means. He gave up the privilege. See, the privilege of deity was you were not involved in any of this. He set aside his, his crown, right? And laid aside his robe. Didn't make him any less God. He just gave up the privileges of it to feel what you and I feel. Look at the way Paul captures it in Philippians chapter 2. Though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to, right? So he gave it up. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. When he appeared, and I circled this in my outline, if you got your Bible, good thing to circle, in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and he died a criminal's death on a cross. See, only a human could thirst. A ghost wouldn't thirst. Hybrid creature wouldn't thirst. He thirsted. Why? Because he was human. I want you to write this down under number one and we'll move on. Ready? He felt it. He felt the cross that day. It wasn't just the pain of the nails and the, that was one pain. Wasn't the pain, it was the pain of sin that he felt that day. And he called out, he said, I am thirsty because he was human. He got us. Look at this point, though. He was relatable. See that? He was relatable. He felt the pain you and I feel. So when you come to him with your stuff, when you come to him with your anxieties and your fears and your worries and your doubts, all right, time out real quick. Mike, do you have any of those? Oh, yeah, big time. Big time. He gets it. He didn't scold me. He didn't yell at me. He didn't put me in the corner. Put your nose in the corner till your faith grows a little bit. 
No, he, he gets it. He was the one that yelled out in the garden, God, if there's any other way. Why? Because he was human. Made him relatable. Look, look at the way Hebrews says that the writer of Hebrews said, the high priest of ours understands our weaknesses. Would you circle that little phrase? Understands our weaknesses. Do you know what separates Christianity from any other major religion? That we serve a God who understands us. No other religion has a God that understands. That God is separated. That God is distant. That God is off. But he understands our weaknesses. For he faced all of the testings we do. But here's the difference. He didn't sin. See, you and I face the test and we sin. He faced all the tests, and he never sinned. So let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God. There he will receive, we will receive mercy, and we will find grace to help us when we need it most. If we're living in the when we need it most phrase, right? Right now. He's relatable. He gets you. He understands you. There's nothing you'll ever walk through. He doesn't go, yeah, I, I understand. It's unbelievable. Point number two, ready? Prophetically, I learned that he was the promised Savior. Prophetically, I learned that he was the promised Savior. Jesus fulfilled, this is crazy, Jesus fulfilled over 300 Old Testament prophecies. 300, not Three or 30, 300 Old Testament prophecies. Do you know the chance of that happening? It would be like covering the state of Texas in pennies, and I'll let you walk the entire state of Texas, top to bottom, and you get one chance to find the penny that I put a little mark on. Well, you go, Mike, that's impossible. Well, that's the same chance that one of these prophecies will be fulfilled, yet alone 300 prophecies. If you've ever heard of the book, More Than a Carpenter by Josh McDowell, or you've read the book Case for Christ, do you know why both of those books exist from men who set out on a search to disprove who God was? Because the more they looked into it, they couldn't do it. Lee Strobel, Josh McDowell, they couldn't do it. They go, he's gotta be who he said he was. It's got to be. Jesus, hanging on that cross, knew that there was one last prophecy about his life that he had to fulfill, and he yelled out the phrase, listen, listen, I am thirsty. Do you know that in Psalm, that same phrase was used in the book of Psalms? Look at what it says, Psalm 69, 21, for my thirst, they gave me vinegar to drink. And that wine that sat there by the cross, that mixture of vinegar and wine, he knew, he knew that the scriptures needed to be fulfilled and they took that hyssop branch, they dipped that sponge in it and they moistened his lips because he wasn't done talking. He's got another statement that was his last statement before the resurrection. And they moistened his lips. Why did he do that? I want you to write down this thought. Because he didn't want you to doubt. He didn't want you to doubt. He wanted to put an exclamation part, 
an exclamation point in the story of going, I'm going to finish it my way. I'm going to finish it how I've been called to finish it. The Roman soldiers that are at the base of the cross, they didn't bring it going, man, if he really is the Messiah, we probably ought to bring a, a mixture of oil, wine, and vinegar, or wine and vinegar, and we put it by the cross. He didn't, they didn't know that. They didn't know about the hyssop branch. The Jews did. They, they didn't have a clue. But man, while he is in his weakest human state, he was still in charge. I am thirsty. He knew. He didn't want you to go, well, he fulfilled all the prophecies but that one. No, 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 he didn't want that for you. He wanted you to not doubt. I heard Lee Strobel that wrote The Case for Christ say in an interview, he said, it takes more faith not to believe than it does to believe when you really see who he says he is. Powerful. He didn't want you to have to doubt. He didn't want you to have to worry. He wants you to be able to look at your kids and look at your family and go, I know who I'm following. And I know he did what he said he's going to do then, and I know he's going to do what he said he's going to do now. Point number three. Ready? Personally, I learn how much he really loves me. Personally, I learn how much he really loves me. We were getting ready for this series. Of course, this was months ago. Think about life a little different, right? Even three weeks ago, life was a little different. I want you to write the word assurance, would you? Write the word assurance or type it in your phone, assurance. Assurance is that, God, you really got me? I got you. Jesus, you really love me? No, I really love you. It's that picture of a child running up to their parent to go, I know you told me you love me, but do you really love me? Well, I really love you. Oh, that happened in this moment. I am thirsty. His thirst is a sign of the suffering he went through for me. His thirst is a sign of the suffering he went through for me. Why did he suffer for us? Romans tells us, but God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. While we were still sinners, he died for us. I want you to walk with me through the story a little bit. What happened that day was huge. There was a physical thirst that he felt as a human. And there was a spiritual thirst he felt as a redeemer, a savior. Mike, what, 
what was that? So I understand the physical thirst piece. Anybody would be thirsty after six hours hanging up there, gasping for air. But, but what about the spiritual one? See, there was a payment going down that day on the cross. I don't know how you've ever read the story, but understand this full on. There was a payment going down. Here was the payment. For the wages of sin is what? Romans tells us death. Not just a physical death, but a spiritual death. A separation from God. I want you to get this. Literally, he experienced, literally, he felt his father turn. He felt your sin and my sin. And in the same way, felt the hell of the experience. See, Scripture tells us this about hell. It's really interesting. It's a place of eternal thirst. There's no quenching of your thirst again. Sin brought that spiritual piece of this. See, that's what I should be experiencing, right, at the termination of this life. It's what you should be experiencing. But we don't. Why? Because he experienced it. He felt it. He knew it. Why? Because he loves you. And he never wants you to doubt it. I don't care what the news says, how grim this world may be at some points. We can remember he felt a physical thirst. He felt a spiritual thirst. So I would never have to. So you would never have to. So I've been doing this for a while now. Came to know Christ at 14, but walked walked in a family that went to church for years before that in my whole life. I got, got it all here. But I remember the day that I met Christ at 14. I remember the night. I remember how real it was. And I knew what I knew at 14. The age I'm at now, I understand why he did it. Less and less. Because I see the darkness of my heart and the depravity of my soul. It makes me wonder even more, why would you do it? And I can only arrive at one answer. Here's the answer. Because he said he would. Because he loved me. And he loves you. Though I understand it less and less, I'm thankful for it more and more. Maybe you're 
sitting and watching today. You fully expected to be here at North Star when life was planted out, or maybe you're like, dude, I tuned in. I don't even go to North Star. I've just I got a friend that kept talking about it and decided to jump on. I don't know why you jumped on this morning, but I know this for a fact. That day when he cried out that he was thirsty and ultimately that it was finished that we're going to talk about next week, he not only had your sin on his shoulders, he had you on his mind. That's why he came. Would you pray with me? God, you got my attention. God, you grabbed my chin and said, I want you to hear this right out of your word because I need it. I think we all need it. Father, I know watching are some people this morning that Maybe they've grown up going to church and it was their mama's story and their granddaddy's story and their cousin's story and it may be their spouse's story, but it's not their story. It may be their kid's story and it's not their story. That transaction only is applied when accepted. And maybe today is that day for you. And your memory of this time is going to be, that was the time that God got my attention to accept him as my Lord and Savior. Could I lead you in a prayer to meet him? Could I? It goes like this. Dear Lord Jesus, would you pray that with me? Dear Lord Jesus, I need you. I believe you lived for me. I believe you died for me. Would you pray that? And I believe you rose again just for me. Come into my heart, Lord Jesus, as my personal Lord and Savior. I ask you in today. Father, thank you for still being a God who reaches in, changes lives. And we thank you in your name that we pray. Amen. Today, if you prayed that prayer with me, or you had a child in your home that prayed that prayer with us this morning, I want you to take out your phone. Whether you got it there, you can do it off your laptop. If you can text off your laptop, I want you to text NSC follow and the numbers text NSC follow to 555-888. Text NSC follow to 555-888. Let us know because we want to celebrate with you. Last Sunday, right at noon, my phone goes off. It was one of my best friends here at North Star. You know what he's telling me? Both of my children accepted Christ this morning, and we got to do it with them. Oh, man, it didn't get any better than that. That's as good as it gets, and that's what it's all about. Man, welcome home. Welcome home.